Well, welcome everyone. This is a really exciting day. We are recording our first podcast. I'm Jenny, the co-founder and co-CEO of Excellent, and I am here with my co-founder, Samantha Gad. And I think the most important thing about our company is sort of our purpose. And a lot of that um, is built into the origin story of how Excellent came to be. And Sam has been leading the charge uh, the, the transition from HR to EX for her whole career. And I thought it would be uh, really interesting to start with her story of how she came to want to start Excellent. And so we're going to get into that today. So welcome, Sam. Hey, Jen. This is so fun. I love having chats with you. So this is going to be awesome. I know. Well, um, I love hearing your story and I've heard it a million times and every time I hear it, I learn something new. But um, I thought we would start just by how you came to want to work in the people space and what you what your expectations of what that work would be like and what you found to be the reality of that, what you loved and what you wanted out of your experience of work. Awesome. Um, well, actually, my story in HR kind of goes way back to first year university. And I went to Victoria University in Wellington. Um, and I actually started there studying tourism, which I don't really know what I thought that was going to get me, but I had no idea what I wanted to do when I left school. But I also added on a commerce degree and I did um, a few HR papers. And from the moment I did my first HR paper, I didn't even know what HR was at that time. I immediately knew this was a space that I wanted to be in. I, I actually just knew that I'd spend my career in the space because it was about um, people. It was about people at work. I'd grown up in an environment with entrepreneurs around me. My opa had grown a company. My dad was running a company in the quarrying and contracting industry. So I knew the importance of having great people in your organization. And so um, it felt like a really natural fit. And I really thought that, HR was all about employees and their experience of work. So it felt like something, it felt like an exciting space to get into. Amazing. And so after uni, how did you start your career? Uh, well, you know, it's really hard to get someone to give you your first job opportunity. So I was really lucky enough that my dad sort of gave me some trust and allowed me to come and play HR within his company and I remember sort of helping him uh, redo all the employment contracts for all of his employees and and actually one of the coolest projects I did for him was initiated a drug and alcohol um, sort of framework and policy for, for the employees in his organization which he was running a business that was operating in the quarrying industry so you can only imagine like safety is really important and I remember turning up like very young this little uh, blonde female to a bunch of really big burly quarry guys um, implementing this drug and alcohol policy I mean who, who was I to be telling them uh, these things but um, I did get an opportunity to work with him, which was really cool. But as soon as I possibly could, I wanted to get out on my own two feet. So I started looking for HR roles and found my first HR role within a government department in Wellington um, as an HR administrator and uh, was extremely ambitious, uh, found myself sort of introducing myself to the broader, huge HR team and finding out about every single project that was on and trying to get myself into those projects. Um, and after a little while of my leader at the time not getting me involved, um, 
I was already looking for another job. So uh, my my sort of my big kind of kickoff point for my HR career really was uh, going back to hospitality where I'd worked as a student. And I saw that the hotel I was working for as a student um, was then looking for an HR manager. And it was a huge, I was not prepared for the role. I didn't have the skills or experience, but I went for the job knowing the environment and knowing the people. And I got the job. They changed the title to National HR Coordinator from National HR Manager because I was too young to have the job, but I did have the full responsibility of 360 employees across three properties. And it was an enormous learning curve, but I absolutely loved it. Like HR within hospitality, so much fun. And I found myself... Um, learning everything there was about every sticky HR situation you can imagine, but also really gravitating towards working with individuals and helping them to love what they do, like helping them to find a path within the hotel or even outside of the hotel that would mean that they were really happy in their work. Um, that was what I was really, really passionate about. Um, and then from there, I went, uh, was really craving to be part of a team of HR professionals because I was sole charge in the hotel um, that I was with. Um, and so I ended up at Belgali, one of the law firms in New Zealand, where I was part of a larger HR team. So I had people to learn from and still have very uh, close friends and connections that from, from those times in HR. Yeah, I mean, that's really jumping into the deep end and getting your feet wet. Um, after having several jobs, like where did you feel like your skills were needed next? Well, what I really loved was building really deep relationships with both employees and the leaders and organizations that I was working with. And um, I really found myself gravitating towards working with people, as I say, sort of helping people to like find their path and find help them to love what they do. And I ended up at the time becoming starting to become a little bit disillusioned with HR I didn't feel like I could really help people in the way that I wanted to and um, so I fell into coaching I actually went to an open evening for a coaching um, certification and as soon as I went to this space like learning about the power of coaching I thought this is it I've found my career I want to be a life coach for the rest of my life I um, did the course I did executive coach training started to bring on coaching clients then dropped my days while I was at Balgully and did sort of four days a week HR and one day a week coaching um, and really felt like this was my life's work to help people to find what they loved and, and, and help people to sort of have the confidence to navigate their careers. So that was kind of the next step for me was really um, jumping into coaching and ultimately it led to me resigning from my last employed job. So which would be maybe 15-ish years ago now um, and starting my own company. Wow. When you talk about getting disillusioned with, with HR, can you tell me more about that? Like what that felt like and sort of what was missing? Yeah, I mean, I think you can probably imagine being in a law firm. Um, the people were amazing, but it was a lot of... Um, you know, it was it was difficult having so many leaders. Like, you know, essentially you have dozens and dozens of leaders, dozens and dozens of leaders. All the partners in the firm are leaders, and um, and there was a you know a fair amount of um, times where I felt like HR was just about paperwork and processes, and not really about helping the employees to have an amazing experience at work. Um, and you know, those environments are tough as well. They do attract a lot of sort of uh, A-type personalities. Um, and I loved being around a lot of those people, but I just felt like I couldn't operate within those current frameworks because it was really about avoiding risk and compliance. And to me, that wasn't anything to do with um, helping employees to kind of, you know, be their best at work. Yeah. So after starting your own business, how did you find that there was a shift and 
can you describe sort of what that journey was like and how you were trying to maybe do it differently? Yeah, so when I went out on my own and started my first company, which was called Sweeten at the time, it was sort of a brand I started to really sort of reflect the coaching work that I was doing. It was really the very first week I was out on my own as a self-employed person um, and coach where I was approached by someone in my network to ask me to help with an HR contract at a small company that couldn't afford to have their own HR manager, but really did need that support. Um, and so I started building up a portfolio of um, uh, uh, coaching clients. And at the same time, I keep getting referred to small businesses. So really the first couple of years of being out on my own, I was uh, running the HR for a few small companies and also coaching and combining those two things was was really really powerful and it was a great way to sort of start a company and learn about what that took um, but it wasn't long before I also realized that there was a lot of small businesses that needed help with their people and wanted to be a great place to work and wanted to look after their people but didn't have the skills experience or resources to be able to do that themselves and I started to find myself getting to the point where I was having to say no to work and anyone that knows me knows that I don't like to say no very often so um, I had a choice of bring on someone to help me in the background or start saying no so ultimately I um, brought on a contractor and then the story goes of kind of going from sweet into HR shop that I realized they were way more capable than me. And so I realized that actually I knew heaps of incredible professional that wanted part-time, flexible, interesting work, which I knew there was a lot of out there. And there's all these companies that had the need. So I put those two things together and created HR shop. And really this was 11 years ago. It was a bunch of, at the time, part-time mums returning to the workforce, meeting in the Wellington Central Library, hot chocolates and buggies, and um, talking about how we were helping sort of, uh, you know, a variety of smaller businesses around Wellington. And um, it was really exciting to be able to make a massive impact in those companies by bringing our experience from larger organizations and, um, and, and building relationships at the same time. Wow. So tell me what happened from there. So you've gotten this group together. You're now going to, uh, did you think that you would grow or did you, were you just kind of focused on the work that you were doing? It's so funny. So I, I, I think I did know there was a big opportunity because when I decided on the name for the company um, we had some very deliberate discussions around the name not being anything to do with me so at the time I was running Sweeten that brand was really about Sam it was about my style my personality um, everything Sam was kind of baked into it and when I started HR Shop I really wanted a name that reflected what we did not who I was um, and so as soon as launching that company it was kind of like starting a steam train there was really no um, shortage of work. When you call yourself HR shop, people kind of know what you do because it says it on the tin um, and there seemed to be a lot of need out there. So we grew really fast. And in the first three years, we grew our team. Um, we were like Deloitte Fast 50 growth, fastest growing services business in Wellington in the first three years. It was a really amazing, exciting ride. Um, I will also say I had my third baby a year after starting HR shop. So I was really in that juggle of like three young boys and uh, a fleet, you know, a, a growth company. Um, it was an incredibly exciting time. But I think, you know, you know that like start, the feeling of that sort of uh, dissatisfaction started creeping in again for me at that point. Yeah. And what was that caused by? I think, you know, I remember... Um, I remember vividly when a, a dear client of, of mine said to me, hey, Sam, do you do like inspiring leadership stuff or do you just do HR? And I was like, 
oh my gosh, like that to me was like the nail in the coffin of, of that name. Like I just needed to change the name of the company. And at the same time, I felt, so I felt like HR Shop, at, while at the beginning, it helped us to get the business off the ground because it said what it did on the tin. My view of HR and also the world's view of HR was really like restricting who we were and what we did. Um, and at the very same time, I remember a really sort of pivotal point for me was I was really like craving learning and I was listening to every podcast out there around at the time, you know, what was happening with um, with work and um, and the space and particularly listening to stories from overseas. And I was listening to a story um, and Mark Levy, uh, who was at the time the pioneer, the very first global head of H, uh, global head of employee experience at Airbnb, was telling the story about the founders of Airbnb kind of wanting stuff in the people space, but like they knew about HR, but they didn't want to do any of that that they wanted another way and that's where they came up with the the terminology employee experience mark led that function um and he talked about what it was and how it worked and i just remember vividly it being such a light bulb moment for me because those two words employee experience was exactly what i'd done and wanted to do for my entire career but all of a sudden i had language around it and when he started kind of comparing it to customer experience and user experience and then the impact of employee experience on customer experience, I was like, this, this is the future of my space. Like I've, I've got to, I've got to embrace this. And so we really embarked on quite a significant change in the company. And um, we, we went, we, you know, I knew I needed to change the name. So the first thing was rebranding um, and changing our name from HR shop to humankind. And, um, so many people, to, even to this day, like give me a lot of, uh, you know, positive feedback about that name. But I can tell you right now at the time I had team members saying to me, Sam, you're not serious that you're going to say that you're going to call the company humankind. How can I tell people I work for humankind? And I was like, it's the best name. But, you know, it wasn't all positive and it wasn't all like um, unanimous at the time that it was the right thing to do. Um, and it definitely led to a couple of really tumultuous years in the business where people that had chosen to join HR shop hadn't chosen humankind and they hadn't chosen what it would mean when the company grew and the new things that we needed to kind of implement as we went from like, you know, a handful of people around a table to a, a larger organization and people chose to not be on that bus anymore and uh as a you know massive people pleaser and someone that um you know rides the emotional waves of being a founder I found all that extremely hard um but it was really the beginning of this next stage of my career and and I just look back on it as hard but the best thing I ever did you know was to really change the direction of the company um to and then start that EX journey yeah it was interesting. You talked about sort of the brand of HR and you talked about how Airbnb founders were like, this is not what we want. We don't want that brand. Like, how could we do it a different way? Can you explain sort of maybe your personal experience of being part of that HR brand that people may think of as like the, the cops or like the police of the organization or the rule enforcers, um, you know, that view. And then how EX is different. Can you kind of explain your personal experience of being part of that brand? Definitely. I mean, I, everyone's heard people talking about the HR lady. <laughs> like it's like if people talk about the HR lady and I never wanted to be the HR lady. And 
you know, there's so many terrible kind of like uh, analogies people use when they talk about HR, like HR stands for human remains or like, um, you know, uh, the, the, the tea and tissues department or the tears and tissues department or whatever people's description of HR was. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of people have had, you know, negative experiences with HR as they've joined a company, maybe as they've tried to get a pay increase, maybe as they've exited a company. And so I, I like, I never really resonated with that. And I never really felt proud to be in HR. And I hate saying that because I know the impact that that function makes. And I also know that, you know, 99.9% of H of people in HR are really amazing people that joined for the same reason I did. And that really care about employees and care about experience and care about doing things with this group to like drive really amazing performance in a company. This is why they've joined. So the brand of HR, man, it's a big topic, but it's one that I definitely wanted to move away from and wanted to create a new brand in this space. Um, it's why I didn't change the name of our company. And it's why ultimately we embarked on really changing the way we did things at Humankind. Because what I don't believe you can do is just slap a new brand on something or a new name on something. And then you're different. You know, it's really about, doing things differently um and so that's when we embarked on that next stage of the journey yeah that is so interesting and i love hearing you talk about that and when you think about ex what really resonated with you like what were the core tenets of ex and how do you define it so that people really understand the difference between hr and ex so employee experience what i what i loved about it is it was it's such a broad um it's it's so broad so there's so many things that impact people's employee experience and when I heard Mark talking about the story Airbnb of how he was given responsibility for digital and catering and real estate like where the office was located that impacts employee experience I was like of course it does you know HR is not the only function that impacts people in fact sometimes it's like doesn't have much impact at all it's like the other functions of the systems and tools people use and um, how people celebrate and all of these other things um, that impact uh, our experience of work so the difference between HR and employee experience to me is HR is very much focused on see these core kind of operational processes that need to happen for an organization to function. Um, and, and HR and EX, sorry, is very uh, much across um, the organization. Like every part of the organization really comes to play when, when you think about the employee experience. And we had to like really do a lot of work at, at Humankind to define employee experience because at that time there was no uh, sort of uh, consistent definition of what EX was and so we we worked really hard to pull together what we believed employee experience was um, and where we landed was it's the combined thoughts feelings and interactions that people have at work so you know that definition is really broad so the next step for humankind was to actually come up with a framework that enabled people to see all the different aspects that impacted employee experience and we actually, this is the second version of it. So the first one was, was a bit different, but where we've landed at the moment is that we look at four types of experiences. We look at purpose experiences, relationship experiences, enabling experiences and performance experiences. And each of those titles has a really big bucket of things that sit um, under it. But what I love about it is it really kind of gives us a framework to, from which we can look at either an individual, a team or an organization and see like, where are the opportunities or where are the strengths and um, how do we how do we think about employee experience? Um, you know, where where do we need to focus? 
Um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of how we think about employee experiences. It's, it's really broad. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of different things that impact people at work. And then you go, how you go about it is incredibly different as well. So once we had that methodology, we knew that we couldn't just look at, you know, find the opportunities for where employee experience could be improved without like actually doing it differently. And that's where we integrated design thinking with our core methodology, because unlike HR, who is traditionally designed for um, employees, EX is designed with employees. And HR have been looked to by the organization, by leaders to have the answers, be the experts, be the advisors. And so it's very difficult if you're in those roles to actually say, hey, I don't have the answers and I want to design this with you. Like it's actually you need to like really step out of HR and be in a different role to be able to do that. But um, once you take that design led approach and design with employees, it's just so game changing on so many fronts. Completely. Can you tell us some stories about how you knew that this methodology and that humankind was in the right spot, that you had made the right choice? Oh, as soon as we started like thinking about this in this way, we obviously were practicing and trialing this at humankind and the impact it had on humankind was insane. So, you know, our retention went through the roof and our um, performance also really increased. And I have to say, like, as a business owner, I felt so much more comfortable being honest about the fact that I didn't have the answers because no one does and being really comfortable and confident because I had now had language and frameworks to be able to walk into a room with more of a blank sheet wanting to hear the answers from my people. It was really, I'd actually, I've always been incredibly collaborative in my leadership style. So I've always led in that way, but I suppose I haven't felt confident about it because I've been like, oh God, maybe I actually should know. <laughs> um, but the reality is no one knows. Um, and I know we'll talk soon about the current environment, but even more so now. Um, the other thing around that is I think as a business owner, I've always felt incredibly uncomfortable about the serious imbalance of power between employers and employees. And what I really like about, and you know, and I, that comes to life in things like remuneration reviews, like why should one person decide what everyone else gets paid? Like I really don't like those, um, that imbalance of power, it just has always felt very wrong to me. And so what I've loved about taking that human-centered design approach or using employee experience design is like, now I know there is a better way. And actually, when you believe that the solutions that you seek lie in the population you serve, so if we're trying to design for employees, we believe that the answers sit with them, it really sort of just like writes that balance of power a little bit in my mind. So it feels much more, a much more comfortable space. Um, and I feel, it feels sort of an integrity to me to be operating in that way. Completely. And so now uh, you've got humankind going and you're embarking on the next step. Tell us about, this is sort of the beginning of excellent. Tell us about how that started. Yeah. So humankind was really flying along and, um, and, you know, we were, it was actually just, it was the pandemic, the pandemic was hitting. And um, of course, as a business owner, that was an incredibly uh, scary time for me. I didn't know what was going to happen to my company, just like anyone else in New Zealand or around the world didn't know either. But at that time, we were already starting to have conversations about how do we spread our purpose more? So the purpose of humankind is to lead humanity at work. Honestly, the whole team wakes up for that every day. And that purpose is talked about all the time and everything that we do. 
Um, and we were like, how do we have more impact? Because the reality is consulting is challenging to scale. Not everyone can afford to have humankind come into the organization to, to work with them in this way. And also I realized through all of my interactions with um, HR people everywhere that employee experience design was an incredibly new mindset. And um, so many people, when I sort of shared what we were doing and how we were doing it, it was really like, kind of like it was for me in the early days, that light bulb moment of realizing that there was a new way. So it was a really obvious next step for us actually to create um, a program where we could teach other people what we did at Humankind. Um, and that was the beginning of Excellent because that was when we created EX Design School. And such an exciting time for us to like put everything that we've been doing at Humankind, teach this methodology, because our idea was if we teach more people how to take an employee experience design approach, more organizations could lead humanity at work. And so therefore our purpose would scale. Um, a couple of things on that. I have to say, out of everything I've done in my career, honestly, one of the scariest things I've done is launching an online learning program. I absolutely was petrified of it. And I don't, it's not even logical about why I was so scared, but I was really scared about putting myself out there in that way. But as soon as we did it, we kind of knew that there was a bigger opportunity in this space because we'd be getting, you know, this really scrappy website was getting inquiries from all around the world of people kind of landing on it saying, oh my gosh, I've been looking for something exactly like this and I haven't been able to find anything until now. And I was getting inquiries from like Germany and the US and like all everywhere. And it was, it was crazy, but um, we kind of knew that, that we were onto something um, when we were getting those inquiries. Amazing. And I love how you were really thinking about how to scale your purpose and that that was more important to you um, than, you know, having a small pie or a scarcity mindset that you really are thinking in that moment about how more people can have access to this to impact more people and more employees. Um, so then you've launched this thing that was very scary. And so then you decided to take a leap and do something even scarier. Do you want to talk about that next step? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Just because I wasn't crazy enough. Um, I thought that, you know, really seeing the impact that EX Design School was having on the incredible first believers that we had, like we, you know, the community in the early days was so small. And sometimes I'd show up to our weekly community calls and, you know, maybe one person would come and sometimes no one would come. And it was so scary those early times. So I'm incredibly grateful for all of those really early customers. But what I knew from the feedback that we were getting from them is how game-changing this learning was. And I'd seen it at Humankind. Now I was seeing it with people outside of Humankind. And it was when a couple of other people in my network said, hey, like, you know, there's possibly a bigger opportunity here. I was starting to see that too. And so I stepped out of the CEO role at Humankind, which, um, you know, I was very lucky. I've got an incredible uh, and very talented um, CEO who's been with the company for six years, KP, KP or Kaylin Ponte. Um, so I was very lucky to be able to step out and have her take those reins um, and for, fully focus on employee experience design school and the global opportunity. We knew that humankind was having a really big impact in New Zealand, um, but it's very difficult to scale consulting outside of New Zealand. So we wanted to take that thinking out to the world. Um, and then we, through our sort of travels, we were introduced to some really amazing investors. Um, I met Phoebe from Blackbird. And when I shared my story and what we were up to and my vision for how 
the world could be different if we had uh, an employee experience design sort of focus and if this thinking really did grow in the way that we thought it could. Um, they offered to lead a round of, um, of investment for us and that was really what sparked us spinning EX Design School out, creating Excellent, which is the new home for EX Design School, and really thinking with a much, much bigger vision for this work. And I think one of the things I've always done throughout my entire career is shared very transparently everything around my business journey, what we were doing with each stage of the business. I've always sort of written blogs and spoken and shared kind of probably overshared on LinkedIn. Sorry if anyone is connected with me already, because I know you sort of probably open your laptop and see my face most days. Um, but I think it's really important. I feel really passionate about something to share your thinking because otherwise, you know, like you're just keeping it to yourself and, um, and I think that that's also played a really big part in being able to take this next step and take this thinking out to the world. Yeah. So talk about how Excellent has, um, you know, grown bigger than just a certification in employee experience design, because we do that at Excellent. But what is the larger vision for Excellent um, that's different than just the certification? Yeah, so yeah, so EX Design School has continued to grow and it's been wonderful to see new people from around the world join and really be excited about the certification. Recently, we have created a membership option where people can join us and get access to monthly masterclasses with some of the most epic people that I'm meeting around the world. Um, and that's another opportunity to kind of be in our community and our network of really passionate people um, in this space. Um, we really believe that employee experience design is going to be an enormous job category. So at the moment, what we're doing is creating the opportunity for people to learn these skills, get the credibility with the certification and be connected to others that are thinking in the same way and be exposed to thinking that's, you know, from outside of HR, but really influential in EX. So that's like from the product space or UX space or design space. That's what we're doing. Um, and we're just embarking on building employee first tech, which is incredibly exciting. And, um, you know, what we did last year to kind of build our influence and then build our platform is one of the things we needed to do was, you know, I, I say I've been thinking about employee experience for maybe seven or eight years now. But what's crazy to me is there's still really up until last year was no real uh, aligned definition on what employee experience is and how to do it. And everyone I talked to would have a different idea about what EX is. And but I knew people believed that this was the way that we needed to go. So um, myself and Jenny and a few other people kind of came together and really um, were thinking about how do we define this space and how do we um, create a shared understanding around what EX is and how to go about it. And, and we took real inspiration from the Agile Manifesto that was created about 20 years ago. Um, a group of project managers within IT got together and decided that things needed to change. Um, waterfall project management wasn't working in again and working well, and so they needed to change, create another way. They wrote the Agile Manifesto 20 years ago, and now look, like Agile is an enormous kind of industry. So we took um, inspiration from that, did it our way. So we brought together a very diverse group from people outside of EX, inside of EX, um, different generations, uh, different backgrounds, different ethnicities uh, from different parts of the world and uh, ran a collaborative uh, workshop. People contributed before in a virtual capacity and then came together in Austin in September last year um, where we workshopped what EX is, how to go about it, the core values and principles, 
um, it was just such an amazing experience. It really gave me the opportunity to meet some of the coolest people around the world in the space, like super humble, extremely um, uh, thoughtful and considered and, and adding so much value in the organizations that they're in and bring them together. And um, I know some really great relationships have been formed from that um, when it's just the beginning. So we brought everyone together, got all this information. And then I have to say, writing it was a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. And um, Jenny and a colleague at the time, Tom, and a bunch of others really um, played a massive uh, role in pulling together the manifesto as it is today. And if you haven't seen it, exmanifesto.com, check it out. Um, but that project has been uh, really a, a really strong sort of piece of work that we did at Excellent. It's, it's thought leadership. It's something that we want the whole world to look at, use, build consultancies from, build products that bring it to life. We want people to use it and actually bring it to life because that's how employee experience is going to spread. When we published it, it was signed in 24 countries within the first 10 days. You know, it blew my mind. And every day we're having people that are still sort of co-signing it. And we're now thinking about next steps for that work. But um, that was a really exciting sort of milestone for Excellent last year. Amazing. Can you... Uh, give everyone just a sneak peek into, I think one of the key pieces that was helpful in defining EX was talking about the values. Can you talk about the values that are in the manifesto and why those are important and why those were the values that were chosen? Sure, yeah. So we've got three values that we identified as part of this manifesto work. The first is um, work as enriching over work as extractive. And so why this is a value is um, this inspiration actually came from the folk that were involved from Patagonia. Um, and I, don't, I haven't met many companies that are brave enough to, enough to ask their employees this question, but they do ask their employees, you know, do they get out more than they put in? Um, and I think that is an incredibly brave question. I think it's like quite aspirational for a lot of companies. But when we think about work being enriching, that's sort of what does the employee get out of the out of the relationship versus work just being extractive, which I think really so many people have been focused on how to get more out of employees. And I think there's not enough focus on like what can employees get out of the relationship. So that was the first value. It's really important. I think it's aspirational for a lot of people, but I think it's a really important one to have in there. The, totally. Yeah. Yes. The, the, um, the, oh, sorry. Go, Jen. Well, I was, I was going to ask on that. Um, when you talk about enriching, like how, how do companies get an idea of what's enriching to their employees? I mean, I think many don't know, actually, is what I would say. And I think, um, you know, a lot of organizations are investing in lots of different things that, uh, you know, contribute to employee experience. I don't know if many companies know what of those things employees value most or what actually matters to employees. I think there's a real opportunity to be asking our employees what matters most and then making sure that we are investing in things that they really value. Um, but yeah, I would say at the moment, it's really tricky for organizations to understand what is enriching over, you know, because we just don't ask the right questions. Yeah, and I know one of your uh, key phrases, which I love, is um, anytime you have a question, the answer is to ask your employees. And I love that. And it, it is a question that you can ask, like, do you find work as enriching or just mainly extracting? 
and what would change that for you? Like, that's a really, those are really powerful questions. I mean, it takes a lot of bravery to ask them, but I think the result is just a lot of clarity about what your people are looking for and needing. I love that value. It's one of my favorites. Um, do you want to tell us about the next one? Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, I also love that value, by the way. And I, it's so in my mind of where that came from. And the people from Patagonia are just such wonderful humans. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a favorite part of the manifesto for me too. The second value is um, it's, it's around nurturing talent over versus fighting for talent. So um, instead of us all believing that there's a really limited talent pool of top people that we're all fighting for it's actually believing that if we provide the right environment and really understand our individual humans that are in our organizations and provide an employee experience that really suits what they need then anyone can become top talent you know like why are we focused on a tiny pool when actually we have a whole bunch of incredible humans with us and the story that really resonates for me when I think about this one coming to life is the story of Chibani Yogurt, where he took a broken down factory um, and Hamdi was like, he took the people he had and it's now a billion dollar company. You know, he didn't look for, he didn't sort of get rid of everyone that was there that had sort of maybe even potentially contributed to the fact that the company wasn't performing. He took the people that were there and actually believed that they were the right people and provided them an environment for them to thrive. So I love that. Um, and it's a real challenge again for leaders to think about anyone having the possibility to be top talent. I love that uh, value. It's confronting as a leader because when you are asked in your mindset to believe that everyone is top talent and it, it puts the onus on you to see it, develop it. And so it's so much easier to say, I'm just gonna go find the people that are already, you know, top of their game. But I think there's a lot of richness um, when you think about all of these people have potential to be top talent. Like, what does that mean for me as a leader? Like, what is required of me? Um, so it, it, it is confronting, but I think it also, it, we know that we're all going to have to upskill in this new uh, environment with technology just, you know, rapidly and exponentially changing, like all of us are going to have to develop. We're going to have to develop as leaders. We're going to have to develop everyone in skills. So I, I think this value is really important because, you know, we're all going to have to be developing talent within our organizations to be able to keep up with the rate of the technology change. So it's, it's a really timely, important call to action to be looking at everyone as having incredible potential. Um, so uh, that takes us to our third uh, value. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about the third value? Yeah, I mean, this is like the hottest topic when it came to drafting and publishing the EX Manifesto. The third value is employee first over customer first. And, you know, for me, this makes so much sense. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to lie. This was like the, the, the sticky point for um, drafting the manifesto because, you know, some, a lot of organizations have customer first as a, as a core value. And so when you're suggesting that employee first, it's employee first of a customer first, that sort of can be in conflict with that. Um, the reason why this is a core value is we've been talking about this a lot um, at Excellent, but 
you know, we really believe there's only one role for an organization, and that is to provide value for employees. And the reason being, and, and Jenny um, explains this so well, so actually, maybe I'll hand it to you to Jenny to explain this, because I feel like it's your it's your sort of insight that you have, but it's been so powerful in me realizing there is really only one place for employees to be, and that is first. It's just about who can directly affect who. And really, when we think about it, employees directly affect customers. Leaders can't directly affect customers. They do that through employees. Um, and customers then you know, feed value back into the company by what they pay for their product or service. And so that leaves the company's directional flow of value being really investing in the employees. Because they can't the company or the leaders are not interfacing directly with the customers. They're not building the things. They're not um, servicing the customer. All of that happens through the employees. So the directional flow really is the organization to the employees, giving them an incredible experience, which then allows the employees to give the customers an an incredible experience. And then the customers are able to give value to the company. And, and it really, that directional flow is only one way. And I think what we're finding with the rise of freelance work, you know, it's just, you, you see more and more people wanting to consult or do things directly. It's because the employees can directly give value to customers. And then the customer can give that value directly to the, uh, to the worker. And I, I think what we're finding is if that directional flow can happen without the organization, it starts to become very clear what the role of the organization is. And it's really to invest in the talent that then services the customer. And there's there's a lot that the organization offers employees and offers uh, in, in a work experience, but that's really their job. And then the job of the employee is to, you know, deliver great service, great products and great uh, and great experiences to the customer. And they learn a lot about how to do that by the experience that they're getting at getting serviced by the organization. Mm. I know we were talking about, like if organizations don't want to become irrelevant because there's many people that are choosing to just opt out of working for an organization and working directly for customers via the gig economy, really organizations need to up their game and think about understanding who these new this new generation of workers are, thinking about the employee experience that they need to be attracted and retained in these organizations because this is their role. So employee first over customer first, critical value as part of the EX manifesto. Um, but you know, one of the one of the hotter sort of talking points um, amongst the contributors. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think the call to action on that value specifically is to contemplate it, uh, to think about what that means. Like, what if we were employee first? What does that mean? Does that take anything away from the customer? Like, I, I think it's really about asking yourself the question and letting letting yourself, you know talk through the answer and then discussing it with your leadership team. Are we customer first or are we employee first? What is our value there? Because only one thing can be first. So which one is it? Um, and I think at least having the conversations, that's where, that's where to start. Um, and, you know, I think that's a good segue into, you know, how do you start a transition from HR to EX or how would somebody who has listened to your story and heard, you know, you talk about EX and they're like, I want to 
I want to do that. That makes sense to me. That is the kind of work I want to be doing. What is your advice to them on how to get started? Well, firstly, I feel so lucky to have kind of come across the space and, uh, I really identify as an employee experience designer. I didn't never really identified with the kind of HR um, title or brand. So I feel really lucky to kind of have fallen into this in many ways and then like carved my own path and then sharing that with others. Um, I think like the first place to start is to, is to do some learning, you know, figure out like understand what employee experience is, how it's different to HR, and then really equip yourself with, the tools, the language, the mindsets, particularly of what an employee experience designer needs. Um, and, you know, I'd be really happy to chat to anyone that is really interested in kind of making this transition. Um, it's definitely not something that happens overnight. And I know a lot of people that have chosen to do the EX designer certification at EX design school have sort of said to me, like, it's actually, it's, it's some of the best learning they've done, but also like it's taken time and they've had to like really, drop their ego and like realize that they're not the expert and be confident to not have the answers and a lot and for a lot of us who have been looked at as the expert or the the advisor or you know the place to have the answers for our entire careers that takes a bit of courage but um it's it's such an exciting opportunity for us because this is really the way that work is going you know this is the new world of work we need to we need these skills to um battle some of the challenges we've got frankly like there is no playbook for some of the things that are happening in work today and if we look at the broader environment of like hybrid working and generation z and i get so frustrated when i read like the news about people talking about generation z in a really negative way i find that just infuriating because i feel like we are not seeking to understand who they are what they need and what they're passionate about my experience of working with Gen Zers is that they are incredibly resourceful, incredibly productive. It might look and feel different to our generation, but it doesn't make it bad. So it's our, it's on us to figure them out, not for them to fit in with us. Like if we're waiting for that, like your organization is going to not be able to attract those people. So, um, you know, all of these sort of trends that are happening out in the environment and particularly in this really challenging macroeconomic environment that we're in now, we need new ways of battling these problems. We need new ways to solve. And this new world of work needs employee experience designers. Um, we don't have the answers. There is no best practice. Um, so that's going to take a different approach. So yeah, that I would say um, really start educating yourself. Yep. And um, if somebody was interested in EX Design School, how could they find more information? Yeah, I mean, we would love you to have a look at it, uh, sorry, excellent.io and then forward slash certification. Um, but if you have a look at excellent.io, you'll find all the information there. Um, of course, reach out to Jenny or I if you want to have a chat about it. Um, it's been like such a transformation for me personally in my career. I've seen the transformation of humankind and, you know, transforming humankind from an HR consultancy into an EX consultancy. That's like was no small job, you know, but I can certainly share some of those experiences. Um, and I know that the team at Humankind are just so proud to be doing this work as well. Um, and everyone that comes into this work feels like they're really re-energized in their career. Actually, I had that feedback from someone just this week saying like, I really feel just so, so re-energized and kind of like proud to be in this, in this space. So I think it's a really exciting time for anyone that's in the people space or any people leaders, anyone that's thinking about how to um, 
uh, create an amazing place to work and retain great people, all of those things that we need to do, EX design is, is the way to go about it. So yeah, exciting. Amazing. Time. Well, Sam, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your vision for the new world of work. And yeah, for anybody who's interested in educating themselves about employee experience design, you can find us at excellent.io. But thank you for listening to our first podcast. And we look forward to doing a series of these um, transferring from HR to an EX mindset in your organization. Thanks so much, Jenny. I'm so excited about uh, the next podcast that we're going to do and um, watch the space for all the uh, wonderful people that we're going to get to interview throughout this series. And thanks for your time, Jenny.